I promised myself I was getting this week's episode out come hell or high water, which looking at the weather outside might not be the best choice of words, but we haven't blown away yet, so let's blow them away in week three. Here we go. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to a slightly belated but still available week three of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and we are coming off of our second straight pretty darn successful week picking this league in the era of COVID. 11-5 and five was the straight-up record in Week 2, which means back-to-back weeks of double-digit correct picks straight up, which is excellent. That has us 21-11 and 11 picking the game straight up this season, a clip of 65.6%. But more impressive than that, your boy win 11-5 against the spread. That's two straight weeks of, you know, pretty darn successful against the spread numbers. Now 20-11-1 picking the games against the spread spread to start the season it's a good percentage I'll certainly take it the over-unders were looking real bad for a long time I think at one point I was two and nine through the first 11 games of last week but then I went on a bit of a hot streak ended the week seven and nine that's my second straight seven and nine week with the totals has us 14 and 18 picking the totals Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week two uh, did the job straight up, went 4-0. Green Bay beat Detroit, Tennessee beat Jacksonville, Buffalo beat Miami, and Arizona beat Washington. Against the spread, I did correctly tell you to take Green Bay minus six, as well as Jacksonville to cover the plus nine against Tennessee. And on the totals, I did sweep my platinum pick. I got the over 48.5 in Green Bay, Detroit. Also got under 46.5 in Arizona. Washington. That one was close, but we got there. 4-0 straight up and even money. 2-2 against the spread and 2-2 on the over-unders. Taking a look at both the Bridgewater's Finest and Anti and Co. straight up pick'em pools this season. The Bridgewater's Finest pool I now sit all alone in 18th out of 37 people making picks in that pool. 206 out of 272 possible confidence points on the season. That's a clip of 75.7%, which over the course of a full season is a championship clip, so let's not fall off the wagon now. Brought in 114 of 136 possible confidence points, managed the confidence points really, really well. 83.8% of the points brought in in week two. Was not good enough, however, to win the whole week. Shout out to our week two winner, Trubisky for MVP, a longtime member of this pick'em pool. One of the best weeks we have ever seen in this pool. Went 14-2 and two straight up in week two, bringing in 130 out of 136 possible confidence points, 95.6%. A massive performance in week two for Trubisky for MVP. Steven now sits as our overall leader, 25-7 and seven straight up on the season, 231 out of 272 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 84.9%. We have seen over the years, 80% is not a sustainable clip to stay on all season, but through those first two weeks, Steven's been getting it done. Shout out to Trubisky for MVP for winning week two, and Steven for being the new overall leader. In the ante and co pick'em pool, I now sit tied for 18th out of 33 people in that pool with my 21 correct straight-up wins. That's a clip of 65.6% of the 32 games so far this season. Went 11 for 16 picking the games in Week 2. That's 68.8%. It's moving in the right direction. We had seven different teams go 14-2 and two in Week 2, and in a week where every favorite but one wound up on the winning side of things, it just goes to show how many people basically just pick the favorites every week, but 
Seven teams went 14-2. and two. That's 87.5%. Tensa and Gavin O'Connor. Gavin, a longtime member of this Progs community. They are tied right now atop this pool with 25 correct straight-up picks through the first two weeks. That's a clip of 78.1%. So shout-out to the seven teams who went 14-2. and two, And shout-out to Tensa and Gavin for being the overall leaders in the Ante and Co. pool. My two survival pools saw another bunch of people drop off, certainly in one. The Ante and Co. pool, now one person out of that pool entirely. We have 24 of 25 remaining, and 8 of the remaining 24 are sitting with one strike. So only 16 people in that pool have gone 2-0 through the first two weeks. I am included in that. I took the Green Bay Packers in week two. And in the money in market survival pool, another huge group dropping out of that pool. I'm still alive. Again, took Green Bay. Only 32 of 88 poolies remain in that pool through two weeks. Far more than half have dropped off. And taking a peek into Fantasy Corner to see how my six fantasy football teams did in week two action. Uh, not very good. <laughs> kind of fell back down to earth in week two. Only went two and four in my six pools. It was definitely a struggle in week two. However, one of those two wins came in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League. I picked up the victory over my good friend, Tony Cormier. I now moved to two and O oh on the season in that league. I got a week three matchup against Keith Bailey, Beetle Bailey, if you will. That's another projected victory for me right now. I'm looking Looking to move to 3-0. In the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I lost by just margins of points to blind Canadian cats. And you may recall, during the fantasy playoffs last year, I had this big come-from-behind win to knock cats out of the playoffs. I think that's what pushed me into the finals. So a small measure of revenge there for the cats. I moved to 1-1 one one on the season in that league. I got a week three matchup coming up with the Prague father, Geo Knows Fantasy. That's currently a projected loss for me. I could be staring down the barrel of starting the season one and two, trying to defend my championship. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week three in the NFL, information on joining both my pick'em pool as well as the anti and co pick'em pools, information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and information on my great friends and sponsors at NerdTease. Folks, week in and week out, it is Nerd Tease that gets me through this recording process. It's Nerd Tease that keeps my voice strong as we pass into our fourth hour of recording. NerdTease.ca, that's a joke by the way. NerdTease.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. And for all of us in the Great White North, you are going to get free shipping on any order over 100 bucks. Make sure you use the promo code. Today's blend is a wonderful kiwi-licious, citrusy, tastes great, smells fantastic. There's all kinds of incredible blends on Nerd Teas. You're going to find something for any taste palette on this site. Get yourself some teaware and just have a nice, calm, relaxing cup of tea amidst all the craziness going on in the world. NerdTease.ca, promo code BWFINEST, save some money, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on NerdTease.ca. Cheers. So if you thought I was quick last week, you ain't seen nothing yet because I'm racing a hurricane for this week's episode. We're going to try to get this thing done real quick. I've rarely ever felt less prepared to do an episode than I do right now. But you know what? We in there. Let's do this. We are going to start with the Thursday night game, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home taking on the Miami Dolphins. Jacksonville and Miami both on the unhappy side of par from last week, although Jacksonville certainly made things interesting in that game against Tennessee. Miami 0-2 on the season. The offense is struggling. The defense is honestly playing at least a little bit better than I expected them to to this point in the season. But look, they had to play two division opponents back-to-back. -back. They have yet to find the win column. 
of note here injury-wise, and we're going to be talking a lot about injuries because there was a plethora of them in Week 2, and I apologize if some of it sounds repetitive, but they are just huge storylines. Injuries for both of these teams on Miami's side, on the defensive side, in the D-backfield, Byron Jones injuring his groin. They threw a lot of money at him in the offseason. He did not return last week. I would peg him as doubtful to play in this game. That certainly is not going to do any favors when you have Gardner Minshew back there who's been slinging the ball fantastic in the first two weeks. However, for the Jags, and this is an underrated one a little bit, their center, their starting center, Brandon Linder. He's dealing with a knee injury. He did not return to the game last week. You have to consider him day-to-day at this point. He might play. He might not. And the big problem there is like the center is the anchor of your entire offensive line. So if the other team can muster any kind of pass rush whatsoever, you could wind up being in trouble because as your center goes, essentially, so goes the rest of your O-line. Some people will accuse me of fishing for upsets at times and I think they're going to be you know they're going to be accusing me of doing that here as well I think Miami gets off the schneid here look they had to play two teams in the first two weeks that know them incredibly well yes the offense is not working great yes we're probably going to see Tua sooner rather than later just to try to give this team some kind of spark no Jordan Howard's not working out the way they expected Jordan Howard to work out yes Jacksonville's offense has been fantastic through the first two weeks but that's another thing that is getting ready it has to be to regress back to the norm Gardner Minshew's not that good The offense is not that good. Certainly not as good as they've been showing through the first two weeks. I mean, Jacksonville has scored 27 points and 30 points in their two games. That's not the kind of offense that this team is. I think these two teams are incredibly, incredibly similar to each other. And even if the Jags players are not playing to lose, we know this is not a team that's trying to win games. So I genuinely think this is ripe for an upset here. Even though the game's in Jacksonville, I'm going to take Miami. It's an upset, but I'll take it. The Dolphins on the road upset the Jags. On the line, Jacksonville's a three-point favorite at home, as they absolutely should be. I like Miami to win, so I'm more than happy to take those three points. Grab Miami, plus three. Total in the game set at 47.5 points. I was leaning the over on this one. I have to admit, this one's very close, and it's a little bit of a coin flip in terms of public opinion, popular opinion. I think I'm going to lean on the over, not by a lot. It's not going to fly, But I feel like this could be a backdoor over. So we're going to go over 47.5 points in Jacksonville, Miami. Let's go Dolphins 27, Jags 21. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to play host to the Chicago Bears. Mostly on the back of their defense, the Chicago Bears have started the season 2-0. They've only scored 44 points, but that's been enough, and they've been able to ride the defense to a 2-0 start. Meanwhile, Atlanta still looking for their first win on the season. The offense has been good. The defense has been atrocious. It's certainly not going to help the situation that Atlanta defensive end Tack McKinley likely to not play in this game. He had a groin injury last week. He did not return to the game. I haven't seen an update on him one way or the other. I'd have to consider him highly questionable at this point because you're seeing so much of that in the first few weeks. Groins, hamstrings, soft tissue injuries. Just you didn't have a preseason. You didn't really have a training camp. So it's to be understood. But I don't think Tack McKinley plays in this game. That's certainly not going to help Atlanta on the defensive side, but I don't think it's the defense that's going to win this game for the Falcons. I think it's going to be the offense. One of these two teams very clearly can score points almost at will, and it's the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan's got something cooking with Calvin Ridley. And Chicago, I just, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen... A real big outburst other than, of course, in week one where Trubisky kind of, you know, led them in a late game comeback. But you certainly can't rely on that every single week. I think Atlanta's going to get out to a big lead. And I don't think Chicago has the offensive weaponry like Dallas did last week to forge that much of a comeback. I'm going to take the Falcons here. It's on their home field. You got to feel like it's a good spot for them. Falcons beat the Bears. 
On the line, Atlanta's a three and a half point favorite at home, which is an absolutely justified line. It's not too much for me to take there. I genuinely think Atlanta certainly has the offense to justify that line and to cover that line. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Falcons laying 3.5. Total in the game, same as the first game, set at 47 and a half points. I feel really good about this thing going over. I've got this capped at a high 50 because I don't know how much Atlanta can stop and I certainly know how much Atlanta can score. So I think we're going to fly over on this one over 47 and a half points in Atlanta, Chicago, Falcons 31, Bears 27. Let's go to Buffalo now where the AFC East leading Buffalo Bills are going to play host to the NFC West co-leading Los Angeles Rams. Three teams in the West starting the season 2-0. These are two very similar football teams who have scored enough points but are certainly predicated on the defensive side of the ball to win football games. The big determining factor here for me, the Rams enter this game, this is their second straight road game, so they're on the tail end of back-to-back -back roadies, and we can finally now start tracking that for the 2020 season. I'm a firm believer that it's a significant disadvantage for teams to play back-to-back -back games on the road, with the exception of the few elite traveling franchises in the NFL. I don't necessarily know that the Rams are one of those teams. Have to look at that as a significant advantage for the Buffalo Bills. Top to bottom, I genuinely think the Bills are the better football team. I think their defense is better, certainly assuming they get some of their linebackers back. And I think the offense is better. Josh Allen is tearing it up through the first two weeks. I got to lean on the Bills here where they're at home. Let's take Buffalo to beat the Rams. On the line, the Bills are only two-point favorites at home, so Vegas thinks this matchup is very close. I do tend to agree with them. However, two points, it's a very small price to pay for the team that I genuinely think is going to win the game. So let's lay those two points, take the Bills minus two. Total in the game for the third straight game is 47.5 points. I've personally got this game capped at a low to mid-50. I like to think my number capping is getting better and it's a little more accurate this season. So where I've got it at a low to mid 50, I think I got a skew on the over on this one. Let's go over 47 and a half points for the third straight game in Los Angeles, Buffalo. Let's go Bills 29, Rams 24. Let's go to Cleveland now and let's steal a line from my good friend Geo Knows, a game that may be canceled due to lack of interest. The Cleveland Browns at home taking on the Washington football team named TBDs. Now, a lot to look into with this game. Cleveland and Washington, obviously you got to consider them two of the quote-unquote lesser franchises that are, you know, just in the NFL in general. However, look, Washington, they won in week one, couldn't get it done last week, didn't look particularly good last week either, but they have a win under their belt. The Browns picked up the win last week, they're at one and one as well. So look, both of these teams through two weeks, they got one in the win column. Good for them. Some things to take into account, Cleveland comes into this game on the long week, having played on Thursday night football in week two, so they got those extra couple of days to prepare for their next opponent. You also have Washington, who not only is entering this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, but they're also dealing with a significant injury on their offensive line. Right guard Brandon Scherf spraining his MCL, obviously did not return to the game last week. The prognosis on him is being out three to to five weeks that is certainly going to hurt Washington's run game and it's going to hurt their ability to pass Dwayne Haskins is going to be under more pressure behind that offensive line without his starting right guard between these two just with the eyeball test you got to believe the Browns are the better team they're coming in on the long week they got the benefit of playing at home I think I got to lean on Cleveland here let's take the Browns in their own building to beat Washington now on the line here, Cleveland laying a full touchdown as home favorites against Washington. That's too many points for me. Like I genuinely think Cleveland's the better team between these two, but I don't trust Cleveland enough to lay the full touchdown. And I think I even said that last week in the Thursday night game where they were playing Cincinnati, I don't trust them to lay that many points. And what happens? Bengals had the backdoor cover and they covered plus six. So look, I think a 
very similar situation could happen here. Washington, to me, keeps this close enough that seven points is just too many. Let's take those points and take Washington plus seven. Total in the game set at 44 points. I lean over on this one. It's close. I think most of the public are on the over here. I'm going to lean over on it too. I don't think it flies, but we're going to go over 44 points in Cleveland, Washington. Let's go Browns 24, Washington 21. Let's go to New York now where you would be hard-pressed to find two teams dealing with more significant injury situations. The New York Giants playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. How much you can blame the injury situations on the Giants' turf is certainly a matter of some debate and it's an interesting conversation. Giants offense has been bad to start the season, only 15 points a game. The Niners, the only team in the NFC West that is not undefeated. They picked up the win last week, but dropped their game in week one. Now the Niners come into this game as our third straight matchup with a team coming in on the tail end of back-to-back road games, which certainly I think limits what they're going to be able to produce on the field. But more significant than that, again, it's the injury situation and this feels like it's going to be a full paragraph. For the Niners, the most significant injury, of course, defensive end Nick Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He tore his ACL in week two against the Jets. He is out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo suffering a high high ankle sprain he's likely to miss at least three weeks and they're running back Raheem Mostert he sprained his MCL he's likely out three to five weeks now at least with the running back situation like San Francisco is so deep at running back that I mean you've got Jarek McKinnon you've got uh, I think it's Jeff Wilson Jeff Wilson Jr. is back there as well so I mean there's a lot of depth to that position but you can't just lose your top running back your number one quarterback and your best pass rusher and be considered the same kind of team you were just a week before and on the Giants side what else can you say about it consensus number two probably running back in the NFL Saquon Barkley he tears his ACL he is done for the season Sterling Shepard also suffering from turf toe he's likely to miss a few weeks so there's offensive weapons on both sides and a big defensive weapon for the Niners who are going to be out for quite some time Given that, it's understandable why the total in this game is so low. Look, the Niners are still the better team. They're the better coached team. They have the better players. They certainly have better depth. So despite the fact that they're decimated on both sides of the ball in terms of injury, I think San Francisco is better equipped to replace or at least try to replace the production of those players. I'm going to have to go with the Niners here. The game's on the road in New York, but I'm still going to take San Francisco. Let's take the Niners to beat the Giants. On the line, Giants are four-point dogs at home, and I really thought heavily about taking these points, but I don't think I can trust the Giants' defense that much. I, even though like you're playing you know, so many backups, and I, man, it, this was really close for me. It was a coin flip, but I still think the Niners being favored by four points is justifiable, so I'm going to lay those points on the road, take the Niners minus four. Total in the game is set at 41 points. I barely have this game reaching 20. (laughs) So I'm going to stay well under on this one with so many backups being in place. We're going to go under 41 points in San Francisco, New York. Let's go Niners 13, Giants. We'll get them finding the end zone one time. Let's go to Philadelphia now for a meeting of two winless teams, one significantly more surprising than the other one. The Philadelphia Eagles at 0-2, playing host to the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Cincinnati, they do come into this game on the tail end of back-to-back roadies. However, they played on Thursday night. So you can kind of think of those two things as sort of canceling each other out because, yes, it's two straight road games, but they do have the benefit of those three extra days of rest and preparation for the team they're about to play. These two teams are more similar than they should be. We'll put it that way. Uh, Philadelphia, you expect their offense to be better than it has been. You certainly expect their defense to be better than it has been. I mean, right now, that's the worst defense statistically in that division, and that division includes the New York Giants 
and Washington. So you certainly wouldn't think that that defense would be the one in that division that's already given up 64 points. On the Bengals side, the offense has been a little bit better than Phillies. The defense hasn't been great, but it's kind of held its ground. It, this is a really interesting team. I feel like this team deserves to be one and one. I genuinely do, whereas I can't look at the Eagles and think that the Eagles deserve to be one and one. Another day, another injury conversation in Philadelphia, this time once again on the offensive line. Left guard Isaac Sumalo injuring his knee. He is headed to the uh, to the IR. I think he went on today. That means he's going to be out a minimum of three weeks. So again, we talked about it a little bit earlier with injuries, core injuries on the offensive line. It just makes it that much tougher for your quarterback. And look, I genuinely think Philly has the better quarterback in this matchup. I would take Carson Wentz over Joe Burrow, certainly in a one-year vacuum. But if the offensive line is not playing well, it's tougher to run the ball. It gives your quarterback less time to make plays. I think they still have some injuries in their receiving core. Philly's just Philly's just limping through this first few weeks of the season, really trying to figure out what their identity is. After this game, Philly will have an identity. Their identity will be the team that gave Joe Burrow his first win as a professional quarterback. Upset City, my biggest upset of the week. I am taking the Cincinnati Bengals in Philadelphia as the better rested team and the healthier team to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Cincinnati gets the win. Joe Burrow gets his first win as a quarterback in the NFL. On the line, the Eagles are laying minus six, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. Not with the way they've started the season, not with the way the defense has not been up to par, not with the way the offense has struggled. Laying six points is ridiculous. Even if you like Philly to win, Philly minus six is not a good bet, even if it covers. It's just not a good bet pre-game. So I like the Bengals to win outright, so I'm more than happy to take those six points. Total in the game set at 46 and a half. I was leaning over on this one. It's close, but I think I'm going to stick with my over lean. Let's go over 46 and a half points in Cincinnati, Philadelphia. Bengals 26, Eagles 23, upset city. Let's go to Pittsburgh now. Steelers entering the game at 2-0, looking to stay undefeated. They're taking on the Houston Texans team that has yet to find the win column. They're looking for their first win, and it's been... Again, a, a very similar story to the Philadelphia Eagles, just maybe without quite as many injuries. Houston's offense has not been up to par. Houston's defense has not been up to par. And at the very least, even though Pittsburgh's offense has kind of struggled a little bit, I mean, the defense is only giving up 17 points a game. 18 points a game, something like that. The defense has played very, very well. They've won at home. They've won on the road. Pittsburgh's off to a solid start, even if they were a little slow in the first week. Nothing out of the ordinary here. Another team coming in on short weeks or long weeks or dealing with significant injuries or back-to-back -back road games. This is just a matter of head-to-head, -head, which of these two is a better football team. To me, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't see any reason why Pittsburgh loses this game. However, I got to give Houston the respect that I know how good this football team is. I know how good their quarterback is. And anything can happen in a situation where you have that, even though you know one team is genuinely better than the other. But the degree to which they are better could be kind of dubious no matter what the stats say. I'm going to take Pittsburgh to win this game. Steelers beat Houston and remain undefeated. However, on the line, Pittsburgh laying four points at home. I'm actually going to take those points. This is a full-on bet hedge. We're hedging the bets on this one. I. It's not that four points is too many. It's not that Pittsburgh being four-point favorites is unjustified with what happened in the first couple of weeks. I just have a funny feeling. And sometimes you just have a funny feeling. Houston plus four. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've got this as a high 30. I don't have this meeting 40 points. So what we're going to do is we're going to stay well under on the 45-point total in Houston-Pittsburgh. Let's go Steelers 20, Texans 17.
Let's go to Indianapolis now. Two teams who are, you know, dealing with some injury situations coming out of last week. The Indianapolis Colts at home taking on the New York Jets. Colts have certainly been the more impressive of these two teams. They are only one and one, but they had a significant win last week. And uh, look, winning your home opener, it's certainly never a bad thing. The Jets, meanwhile, are still looking for their first win on the season, and I don't think the Jets have looked particularly impressive in either one of their games. They're giving up 29 points a game. They're only scoring 15. Look, this is just newsflash. The Jets are not a good team. An injury on the offensive side for the New York Jets is met with an injury on the defensive side for the Indianapolis Colts and one on the offense, let's be perfectly honest. The Jets, wide receiver Brashad Perriman, he suffered an ankle injury. He's being considered week to week. I'd be very surprised if he plays in this game, and he's one of the Jets' bigger weapons in the pass game. On Indianapolis's side, in the defensive backfield, Malik Hooker tears his Achilles. He is done for the season. Paris Campbell, as well, at the wide receiver position, he sprained his MCL and PCL. That looked a lot worse than it wound up being. He avoided a long-term injury, but he's still likely to be out for at least a few weeks. So, Phillip Rivers loses a weapon in the pass game. They lose a significant part of their pass defense, and they're still going to win this game in fairly easy fashion. It's quite simple. I need to see the Jets do it. I need to see the Jets look like they are a professional football team, and I have very, very rarely seen that in the first two weeks. So we're going to take the Colts here fairly comfortably. Let's take Indianapolis at home to beat the Jets. On the line, Indianapolis is favored by 10.5 points because this league is ridiculous. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't say the league is ridiculous. Vegas is ridiculous. It is insane that Indianapolis is laying 10.5 points. And it's insane that I am also going to lay Indianapolis 10.5 points. Because the Jets are... I mean, the Jets are bad. The Jets would lose to CFL teams. Oh, I said it. Don't pretend I didn't say it. So yeah, it might be a bad bet, but I'm laying those points. Laying minus 10.5 on Indianapolis. Total in the game set at 44 points. I've got this at a high 20. I don't think it hits 30, so I feel pretty darn good about staying under 44 points in Indianapolis, New York. Let's go Colts 21. Jets, we'll give them a touchdown. Let's go to Arizona now. The surprising 2-0 Arizona Cardinals are going to play host to the Detroit Lions. Detroit not off to a good start this season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, Arizona, they're showing me plenty on the defensive side to get pretty excited about this team. No injury concerns here for either side. You got to note that the Lions are coming into this game on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Certainly does not bode well for them going up against a team that is running hot right now on both sides of the ball. The offense is playing well. The defense is playing well. Got to believe that continues in week three. Let's take the Cardinals at home to beat Detroit. On the line, Arizona laying six points at home, and usually I would be Detroit plus six all day, but Arizona is showing me a consistency in play on both sides of the ball that I did not expect from them. What I feel right now is that those six points are justified. I'm going to lay minus six on the Arizona Cardinals at home. Total in the game set at 54.5 points. It is the second highest total that we will look at this week, but I still think it's going to go over. It's kind of a coin flip for me. This is a tough call one way or the other, but I think I got to just barely squeak over on it. We're going to go over 54.5 points, which feels like a bad play, but whatever. Over 54.5 in Detroit, Arizona. Let's go Cards 35. Detroit 21. Let's go to Seattle now where the Seahawks will put their undefeated 2-0 record on the line up against the Dallas Cowboys. Now Dallas tied with Washington for tops in the NFC East at 1-1 apiece. Dallas picking up a big come-from-behind win 40-39 last week against Atlanta. I mean, not exactly great that you gave up 39 points, but pretty good that you scored 40. 
Russell Wilson versus Dak Prescott is one of the premier quarterback matchups in the NFC. I cannot wait for the intense quarterback play that I expect to see in this game. This is a really tough situation for me because these are two teams that have not played good defense so far in the first two weeks of the season. Both teams have given up a ton of points, gotten behind in games early, and had to rally to come back. But between the two of them, there's a consistency offensively in the Seattle Seahawks that I'm not necessarily seeing in the Dallas Cowboys that first game. God, that was that was such a Mike McCarthy situation, like I mentioned in the episode last week. And then, look, last week's game, like they got down big early to Atlanta. And if it was against any team that had a better defense, Dallas loses that game and goes to 0-2. Seattle's the better football team here. The game's in Seattle. I'm taking the Seahawks at home to beat the Cowboys. However, in all due diligence, Seattle is favored by five points on the line, and I am going to hedge my bets. I'm going to take Dallas plus five. The Cowboys are capable of winning this football game for sure. So look, five points just felt like a little too much for me. So I'm going to take Dallas plus five. Total in the game set at 55 and a half points, which is the highest total we're going to look at this week. And like the other mid-50 total, I'm going to go over on it. I have this game capped at a mid-60, so I think it flies over the 55 and a half. Leave the defenses at home. Play nine guys on the field. Let's see some offensive fireworks here. Seattle and Dallas going over 55 and a half points. Let's take Seattle 34, Dallas 31. Let's go to New Orleans now, another marquee NFC quarterback matchup. This is arguably the game of the week. The New Orleans Saints coming into this game on the short week get to come home and play the Green Bay Packers. Arguably, I guess inarguably, really when you look at the numbers, the best offense through the first two weeks of the NFL season. Pepperidge Farm remembers when Aaron Rodgers didn't get any help from the front office at the draft. Turns out the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour, that being revenge on anybody who had the gall to question that Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, in full effect in the first two weeks, 85 points scored for Green Bay, 43 and 42. They are definitely rolling. Now the Saints, they lost a game on Monday night that I expected them to win. Genuinely, I did. The offense and the defense, kind of 50-50 so far on the season. I, I, It really surprised me that the Saints lost to the Raiders, even if it was in the Raiders' first game in their new building. Now, while the Saints are certainly coming in on the short week, the Green Bay Packers may have to deal with the idea of Devontae Adams being somewhat limited in the game in week three. He came up with a hamstring injury in the game last week. He did not return, although he certainly wanted to. And I think Matt LaFleur even said, uh, either in the post game or in media availability today, if it was a playoff game, Devontae would have gone back in. So... It, it was certainly a precautionary issue that they held him out in a game they were certainly in control of last week. Uh, so I expect Devontae to play. He might be a little bit limited, might be a little bit of decoy work in there. So if you're in deeper fantasy leagues, you might want to look at like an Alan Lazard if you got him, putting him in the lineup, maybe a Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well. You know, had New Orleans done their job last night against the Raiders, I may have even picked them in this game. Like, it's it's really tough to bet against the Packers right now because that offense is moving, man. They're doing so many good things on the offensive side. And as we saw last night, New Orleans defensively is vulnerable. And offensively, look, their offense is really good, but it's a different offense without Michael Thomas. So I, I have to lean on the Packers here. The Packers, they're on the road. And New Orleans may possibly, top to bottom, be a better football team. But I'm taking Green Bay with the way they're playing right now. Packers on the road in New Orleans beat the Saints. On the line, New Orleans, three-point favorites at home. I totally understand that. I like Green Bay to win, so I'm more than happy to take Green Bay plus three. Total in the game set at 51 and a half points. I only have this capped at like a low 40. I don't know where a 50 comes from in this game. We are going to stay under 51 and a half points in Green Bay, New Orleans. Let's take Packers 27, Saints 14. 
And the last game we're going to look at, the marquee matchup in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of these teams undefeated, let's be honest, probably a preview of the AFC Championship game yet again. The Ravens have been utterly dominant through two weeks, 71 points scored, 22 points against. Now everyone's going to say, well, like, yeah, but look at the teams they played. And yeah, I totally understand that. I totally get that. But you still got to get the job done. And Baltimore has more than gotten the job done in the first two weeks. The Chiefs have had some tenuous moments here in their first uh, first couple of games, but they've they themselves have gotten the job done and figured it out when it mattered most. Chiefs off to a 2-0 start. They've scored 57. They've allowed 40. So certainly a closer margin than Baltimore. Chiefs enter this game on the tail end of back-to-back roadies, which is certainly going to play a role in the game. However, man, I can't bet against... I can't... I don't know that I have it in me until I really see him fail and fall on his face. Like something that's not caused by an injury like we saw last season. Until I really see him falter. Like Philip Rivers-level falter... I don't think I can bet against Patrick Mahomes. I really don't. This is another upset, the second straight upset that we're going to look at. But I like the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs on the road in Baltimore. Understandable, very difficult place to win under normal circumstances. Obviously, these are far from normal circumstances. I'm going to take the Chiefs to upset the Ravens. On the line, Ravens are laying three and a half points as home favorites. It's mostly justifiable. I'd like to see a number probably under a field goal or at least at a field goal. But, you know, the half point, it is what it is. I'm more than happy to take that plus three and a half on Kansas City. Total in the game set at, oh, I lost my place, 53 and a half points. I think the third highest total that we're going to look at this week. Uh, This was kind of a coin flip as far as I'm concerned. And there's a really interesting disparity here between where the public is betting this game and where the experts are betting this game. The public is very heavily on the over. The experts are very heavily on the under. And I was kind of leaning to the under myself. I just feel like 53 and a half with Baltimore playing really good defense and Kansas City doing enough to win. I just feel like this thing stays under and stays close the whole way. We're going to go under 53 and a half points in Kansas City, Baltimore. Let's go Chiefs 27, Ravens 24, and that will be an incredible football game that I can't wait to relive in January. Okay, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week three in the NFL. We start at the bottom with the bronze pick where I'm 2-0 straight up and even money against the spread and over under. My bronze pick sees the Minnesota Vikings playing host to the Tennessee Titans. And this is just a very simple discussion in my brain. One of these teams has done some really good things so far this season. The other one is the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings might be one of the biggest negative surprises to me at all of this season. The fact that they have lost both of their opening games and the fact that they've given up 71 points in two games, very un-Minnesota-like. And it's not exactly the greatest draw to try to turn things around. A Titans team that's 2-0 and on the season, run the ball down your throat constantly. Look, the offense hasn't been on fire, but it's done enough to win. And I think that continues in week three. It's another one of those situations like, look, the Vikings are definitely better than the Jets, but like the Jets, I got to see the Vikings do it before I kind of get some confidence back in them. So we're going to take the Tennessee Titans on the road in Minnesota. Tennessee beats the Vikings. On the line, the Vikings are two and a half point dogs at home. This is exactly where I think this line should be. Tennessee laying two and a half as road favorites. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's take the minus two and a half on Tennessee. Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. I personally have this capped around a low 50. I think Tennessee hits 30 on their own. So I feel pretty good about going over 47 and a half points in Minnesota, Tennessee. Titans straight up, we're going to hammer the Titans minus two and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 47 and a half points. That is my bronze pick. Titans 33, Vikings 21. 
My silver pick now where the records are the same as the bronze, 2-0 and straight up, 1-1 and against the spread, and 1-1 and on the total, sees the Denver Broncos, a team decimated by injuries, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, playing host to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, who finally looked like they kind of got some stuff together last week. Denver winless on the season at 0-2, certainly keeping things in low-scoring games. Only 77 points scored combined in Denver's two games between Denver and their opponents, so they're certainly keeping things on the lower end of things on the scoreboard. Again, Tampa Bay, they got the job done in Week 2, kind of turned a corner a little bit when I, I mean, I certainly was kind of doubting them after the first week. Offense turned things around. But like I mentioned, the poor Denver Broncos, Drew Locke, first of all, goes down with a shoulder injury. He took a hard hit that he should not have taken. A young quarterback going to learn that lesson, and he's got at least two weeks, probably closer to six, to learn that lesson the hard way. Plus, Cortland Sutton, quote, tearing up his knee. He's torn his ACL. Cortland Sutton is out for the season. So that's your top quarterback and your top wide receiver. And all of a sudden, this Broncos team that was looking like a bit of an underdog this year, now going to be without two of their biggest offensive weapons for multiple weeks. And I do believe Blake Bortles, what is that I swear? I smell Blake Bortles, and he has been signed by the Denver Broncos to come in and, I guess, compete with Jeff Driscoll for the starting quarterback job. Boy, if you can get Jerry Judy in your fantasy league, you might want to get him because he's probably going to see 15 to 20 targets a game. Uh, I got no problem taking the Bucks here. It's Yes, it's it at altitude, which obviously puts Denver at an advantage, but it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to know how to deal with stuff like that. Let's take the Bucks on the road in Denver to beat the Broncos. On the line, the Broncos laying six points as home underdogs. The Tampa Bay being six-point favorites is justified here. It's under a touchdown. I'm going to lay those points. Take Brady and the Bucks minus six. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I've only got it capped at a high 30 because I don't know what I'm going to get from one of the two teams. So I got to stick under on this one. Let's go under 43.5 points in Tampa Bay, Denver. Bucks straight up. We're going to hammer the Bucks minus six against the spread in a game that stays under 43.5 points. That is my silver pick. Tampa Bay 24, Broncos 14. My gold pick now where I'm 1-1 one one straight up and 1-1 one one against the spread have yet to hit a total on the gold pick. Sitting at 0-2, sees Tom Brady's former team, the New England Patriots, at home playing host to Vegas. The Raiders with an impressive win in Week 2, go, uh, beating New Orleans, opening up their new building. So that was certainly not a result that I expected to see from Vegas. The Patriots had an incredible football game against the Seattle Seahawks and had Cam Newton gotten to the outside on that last run, he could have moonwalked into the end zone. He simply didn't see the lane that was right there, just off to his periphery. If he'd have just cut to the left, we'd be talking about the Patriots being 2-0. Unfortunately, that is not the case. New England dropping that game in Seattle last week. No significant injury concerns to talk about in this game, but other than the fact that the Raiders are coming into the game on the short week, which certainly doesn't help them, if this game was in Vegas, I might take Vegas in this one. I I, I just I genuinely think the Patriots are the better football team, even if they had injury, more injury concerns than they did have. This Patriots team has already showed this year that even with the number of players that opted out, it's just next man up. Like there's just there's no better way to describe it. It's just plain next man up and the Patriots are more than capable of playing that style and I think that makes them more than capable of beating the Raiders. So I'm going to take New England. Very high pick here against a team that won last week, but I'm going to take the Patriots to beat the Raiders. On the line, the Patriots are six and a half point favorites at home against the Raiders. And ladies and gentlemen, look, there's no easy way to say this. That's justified. I understand that the Raiders are scoring like 34 points a game. Their offense is playing very well. The defense, however, is not. They're giving up 27 points a game and against a team that can generate a lot of offense, which we know Cam Newton and the Patriots are capable of doing. I got a skew on the team that's got the better defense and the team that's got the better defense is New England. 
And that's six and a half points. I think it's justified, and I'm going to lay it because it's under a touchdown. Let's lay the minus 6.5 on New England. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I've got this game getting to a 50, which means it's not a super strong over, but I do feel like the game goes over the point total. So let's go over 48 and a half points in Raiders Patriots. New England straight up. We're going to hammer New England minus six and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 48 and a half points. That is the gold pick. Patriots 30, Raiders 23. And the platinum pick where I'm undefeated straight up and also undefeated against the spread at 2-0. And, oh, and the uh, oh, the totals on the platinum pick are 1-1. One and one, Sees the Los Angeles Chargers playing host to the Carolina Panthers. And it is in Carolina where we find our final and arguably most significant injury note. And that is run CMC himself, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey goes down last week with a high ankle sprain. He is now expected to miss four to six weeks, which is absolutely crippling for a Carolina Panthers team that had been humming along doing some good things on the offensive side of the ball. Carolina has put up a number of points early on in the season here. Yeah, they're still struggling for a win, but look, they've got 47 points in two games. They've done some good things offensively, but the defense hasn't really held up and now you lose arguably the best running back in football. You, you just like, that's too much for Teddy Bridgewater to have on his shoulders, certainly against a more than competent Chargers team that while they did lose last week and while they barely held on in week one to beat the Bengals, we know this team is better than it certainly has been. Be interesting to see who plays quarterback for the Chargers in week three. I thought Justin Herbert played well. Doesn't help the Panthers cause that they are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Got to take the Chargers here at home. I don't think there's no other option in this one. Let's take the Chargers at home to beat the Panthers. On the line, like with New England, Chargers laying six and a half points as the home favorite. And I I'm going to lay it. I don't necessarily know that that number is crazy justified because you got a Chargers team that's giving up as many points as they're scoring. And it did kind of concern me that, you know, um, Melvin Ingram, I believe it was, uh, kind of came up with a little bit of an injury, but not a significant one. I think he's going to play, but there's a little bit of an injury concern there. And as we've seen with the Chargers in the past, between Bosa and Ingram, if one of them gets hurt, their defense completely falls apart. But I, I'm still going to lay these points. It, it's a lot, but I'm still going to lay them. Chargers minus 6.5. Total in the game set at 44 points. I was leaning over on this one. Uh, it's a close, but I think I'm going to stick with it. We're going to go over 44 points in Los Angeles, Carolina. Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus six and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 44 points. That is your platinum pick. The week three picks, they are in. I did not blow away. We're still here. The lights are still on. It's time now for the patented comment of the week the comment of the week from the week two episode look he beat me in fantasy i might as well give him one more spotlight goes to the blind canadian cat aka my good friend cody his comment from the week two episode was you and i have the same mindset justin hmm i like arizona to win hell no am i giving them minus seven hmm i like tennessee to win hell no am i giving them minus nine True last week, but I'm laying quite a few points on Arizona this week at minus six. Good luck with the picks, and while we're shouting out things that need to happen, hashtag send Julio to Charm City. Yeah, he badly, badly wants Julio Jones uh, to be playing in Charm City, and he's been using that hashtag for a long time. Congratulations, Cody. Yours is the comment of the week from the week two episode. Episode is in the books. If you happen to be on the East Coast like I am, good luck with the hurricane. Uh, obviously, I hope everybody is fine. And if you lose a little bit of power, that's okay. Just think about all the glorious football games we're going to have on Sunday. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled by the great folks at Nerd Tees. Enjoy the games in week three, and we might just see you again for another NFL Bet Card live stream. If you've been catching the live streams, I'm really enjoying doing them. I'm going to see if I can do one again this week. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter to find out if I'm going to do one. We'll see you next week.